Chris Iron Brains, a podcast convinced of absolutely nothing besides the world's constant and enduring and desperate need for more of this cast iron brains. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How are you doing, Lori? I'm good. Lori's good. Hey, but welcome back to the show. Yeah? You missed the first half of last week's episode. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> I'm still two episodes behind on this show. Oh, good. Well, never mind then. <laughs> also, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, today is Monday, January 25th, 2021. It's almost the end of the month. We're getting there. What's going on, buddy? Not much. I, in the news, there have been a lot of talk about uh, dogs, right? Uh, so the president moved in. By the way, nothing happened, right? Nobody died. The, the inauguration happened. Everybody we have left. a new president. That's right. something that happened. Right. You got a new president. Wait, did that happen in the last week? Yeah. You, you guys recorded on Monday. The inauguration was Wednesday. Uneventful. What a but, long week. I know. It was the, it's been the longest fucking month. On Monday, I went to the uh, like this mountain park about 20 minutes outside of town with the kids and the, the kids and the other, like the kids who come to my little school pod. We played disc golf, you know, like frisbee golf with a oh, bunch okay. of six, you know, like five kids between the ages of three and nine or three and eight. And uh, that's less fun than you'd think it would be. Well, if you put on paper you're going to play disc golf with a bunch of children between the ages of three and eight, you probably actually don't think it's going to be a lot of fun. Right. And you would be right. A lot of shanking, just the disc going every which way, but straight. Yeah. I've played uh, that, and I've had similar experience. How did we get so far off topic? What was the topic? Dogs? Inauguration happens. So the inauguration happens, and nothing terrible happens so they start talking about these side stories and one of them is that there's going to be for the first time at the white house a rescue dog and then there was a story you shared with me <sighs> about some new york times person who got shit canned or maybe they didn't uh but then they also work in to the story for some reason that this loss of income is going to impact this rescue dog they go out of their way to not just not just her and lauren wolf the <laughs> journalist who formerly employed by the new york times not just her and her pet but her and her rescue dog right very important that they always throw that in so my, my question is what constitutes rest like what do they mean but when they say rescue? i need to first know before we answer it what do you think the answer is <laughs> i know that this is not the right answer but Visually, when I hear rescue dog, I'm thinking that they rescued them from some imminent harm, like they're in a fire and they took them, or they're at Michael Vick's place and they took them. So I'm thinking like so some. I'm surprised you're not just picturing a Saint Bernard, they're like a dog who rescues. <laughs> right, a dog in a superhero costume. Oh, out doing. Yeah, my first. Yeah, that, that, that's doing good, police but that work. Was, my, my, for some reason, I'm just thinking they're rescued from some sort of. Thing like if you're like a refugee, you you seek refuge from somewhere bad, right? All so it you, means is that they came from a from a pound or from a 
an animal shelter or whatever. It means that this, all it means is that they didn't pay fifteen hundred dollars. It means for they a, weren't bred. They weren't dog. from a breeder. Okay. So you can. So have, that's all it means. All it means right. is that they were, and well, and it implies that they probably would have been euthanized if more time had gone by and no one had taken the dog because that's okay. the case. So, right, but like, but you can just say shelter dog. You can just like. The, but yeah, the notion there, there's this weird moral Shelter component. Dog works. There's this weird moral component to the use of the phrase "rescue dog," right. and it has become something of a signifier. Where if you don't if you don't say that the dog was a rescue, then you might be others might have room to insinuate that you're some sort of terrible person who paid for their dog. Yeah. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with paying is, for a is dog. Is that frowned if, upon? No. A lot of people do frown it upon depends. it. It hmm. depends. But a lot of people frown upon it. But also, those same people go buy dogs. There are some right. bad there, there are bad breeders out yeah. there. You know, there are people who run puppy mills. And, and to be fair to the whole subject, I think that the stigma around breeders has made bad breeders go away. Okay. Like people either get a shelter or rescue dog or they really right. research. But the stigma remains, right? I don't know. It, like a little? See, to me, I just think it's absurd to ever pay money for an animal. I mean, you've got to pay money that the, throughout that the, the life right, of right. Like there's, <laughs> we In just the last couple of weeks, we've spent like... Let's not talk about it. Over five hundred dollars on this stupid dog. How much dog. do you think if I wanted to get a purebred German Shepherd puppy or a purebred French Bulldog puppy? How much do you uh, think it would cost? I'm gonna take a guess, but like you know how I've said this example before. Like when they ask like presidents who are out of touch about the price of milk and they don't know because yeah. they're just I, this <laughs> yeah. is me. Like I have, yeah. I don't know, like five hundred dollars. Okay, it's like two thousand oh, would be okay. reasonable. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, but that's... what if I told you that people also do this for cats? People do it for cats. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so no way. Uh, that's what's crazy. Yes, the people that I grew up with, like down the street, the the best friend family of my family, we were growing up. The Krauses, Brian, what? listener of the show. I didn't know they had a purebred cat. They, their mother. Brought home like a thousand dollar cat what or kind? something like that. I have no idea. Oh my god! How do you not know? Because Wait. in like two years, it was dead in the in the pool in the backyard. Because oh, that's wow. just what happens if you get a stray who, uh, you know, and like it's not like you can breed cats to be these perfect creatures. You can. It's just ridiculous. What's the and thinking behind? Paying for a cat. What do you get that for the you're gonna get a cat? better behaved sort of animal, or just that... a more beautiful or cleaner? Sure. Okay. I mean, look at some purebred cats. They're gorgeous. You'd be able to tell just by looking at a picture. You can distinguish one kind of cat over another. I mean, you can tell when, it, like, Chris's cat Chipper is a total dumpster cat. Fucking okay. Fred right here, staring like a weirdo off the edge yeah, of Fred, the bed. Fred's, is a, a, Fred's a bit of a trailer trash kind of cat. She's a trailer trash cat. It's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna she's occasionally, later. she's occasionally a, an attractive, like handsome cat. But okay, you, you wouldn't confuse Fred for like a fifteen hundred dollar cat that eats out yeah, of the trash bowl or cats, You would know. You would know. Okay. You'd be able to look at those cats and go, "Yep, that one's better." Okay. But then you'd have you to then you groom wouldn't. it and do whatever it is people do. Yeah. Nice. 
a whole racket. No, it's it's pure insanity with cats, and it's only slightly less insane with dogs in my head. Like, and I get it. People want because and dogs specifically have been bred by humans over thousands of years to select for certain traits, like more loyal, they're more obedient, they're or like stronger they and do bigger things. Right, they pull things. They can they, smell. Te- they can. Police dogs, you know? Well, yeah, that makes sense. One of my friends has a a dog that's way too needy of affection. Like, every two seconds, they're coming at you. And it's like, all right, just enough of this. We've had this interaction five minutes ago. I'm going to ask this question knowing that you won't have an answer, but (laughs) what kind of dog is it? (laughs) No idea. But it's it's a dog. (laughs) It's... It's the okay, type of dog. This is my favorite shave, episode they, we've ever done. They don't just wiggle their tail; they wiggle their whole half back. I don't know. It's some sort of dog. What do you want from me? But very, very affectionate. Every two seconds. <laughs> so I was gonna say before we started this episode that I was looking forward to the prospect of maybe having this be like the Bob and Abe show used to be, where we don't have this one horrible thing happening constantly, so we can talk about other stuff. We don't have this one horrible thing happening constantly, so I have to spend like nine hours a day trawling the internet no, looking. No, we can just talk about cats in <laughs> 24. Try, trying to unearth horrible things. That's right. This is... <laughs> What did you? That's Fred. What did you think of the inauguration? I, I thought, all things considered, it went pretty smooth. I didn't watch. It went ten minutes early is the problem. Yeah, it was a little off. I will say the firework stuff that they happened. Who, whomever that was, like they need to have that person do the Fourth of July one too. That was like the most fireworks I've seen in like. Yeah, that was. Th- it was good. There was a, there was, was a tweet ridiculous. by some idiot. There was some. Very, like, I know that everything is cringe now, but it was a tweet that literally made me feel smaller having read it and, like, embarrassed on behalf of this person for having to continue to exist in the world. (laughs) But the tweet was, like, it was a picture of the fireworks over either the Capitol or or the Washington Monument, wherever it was, and... Matt Dornick, who's a head of strategic communications at CNN Worldwide, who has <laughs> in his Twitter profile uh, pictures of his dogs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, like, what kind of dogs? Uh, no doubt are rescues, or he wouldn't deign to tell the world about them. Right. He tweeted He tweeted the night of the inauguration, and maybe he'd had a couple. Maybe, um, yeah. maybe he was feeling a little bit under the beer, but... He said, this team truly understands optics. These images will inspire our friends and shake our foes. And this is a picture of green fireworks exploding in the, in the night behind the Washington Monument. Like, what are you saying that jokingly? Fireworks. We all miss fireworks. What did you think of the whole thing? It was fine. It was very what it needed to be, probably. I did not appreciate the fact that it went off 10 minutes early and that I had to explain to some very pedantic seven and eight year olds that (laughs) he wasn't really the president. Yes, he was sworn in as the president, but we, according to the Constitution, we have to wait until noon because the Trump's term does not end until noon and Biden's term does not begin until noon. So the swearing in is. That was my understanding of the rules, right? But. 
it wasn't just one person um, talking head in the lead up to the inauguration. There was at least two that said he has to be sworn in before noon. And I would just thought these things happen, ha- you know, like happen at high noon. Right. Approximately noon. It's just for those 10 minutes, like if something really awful had happened, like I wonder what the response would have been. Right. Because for those 10 minutes, the 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 response would have been don't tell Donald Trump anything. Right. But keep it from him for 10 (laughs) minutes and we'll sort it out. For those 10 minutes, the nuclear football that is near Trump is operative and the one that's with Biden is not. Right. So if something did happen. Trump would be like in a shitter or whatever as a Mr. President. If something like like my dad who we talked about, yeah. he doesn't bring his phone on the golf course and I got mad at him. I was like, Why what if I needed you? Right. His response was always, Then I would get back to you when I was done playing golf. <laughs> like you'll need me later too. And, and, and that's how that would have gone. Golf is a time suck too. It's not like a quick, you know, it's like three it, hours later. <laughs> It's like, what happened? Nothing that can't be solved after this golf. All right. Biden's that, speech was a bit uh, a bit heavy on the on the hopeful cliches and the the unity stuff. Because there really wasn't any, as many have mentioned, there wasn't really any specific policies. Let's do the, just like let's just cool it. You don't everybody. do that in inauguration yeah. speech, do you? I mean, sometimes they'll no, throw you, in a thing. Yeah, you save it for next month when he does the joint. Think- he'll, no doubt he'll do a joint session address, don't you think? Tuesday, February 4th at 9 p.m. Oh, so is they, he going to do a joint yeah, session address? that was really easy to find out. Yeah. Barn, right. the internet. Look at that. I thought that this looked like the most pleasant inauguration because of all the space and the lack of people. Just right. like everything else this year looks way better. Disney, this, yeah. way better. <laughs> New Year's Eve, way better. Yeah, Everything's whole- way better. Yeah. This whole year had been damning the inauguration. on people as a whole. It's like, oh, if there are fewer. Well, but like, how pleasant would it be to just have me and Bob in our two chairs and no one near us? Like, right. that sounds like a nice thing. Doesn't sound like a nice thing to go stand on the National Mall in the cold with a million people. I yeah, uh, I never understood that. And it, even this was a few weeks ago now. But like the people who would stand outside like Times Square for like ten hours and pee themselves. And for like, a, for an objectively worse experience, it's like right. going That's to true. a football game to sit in the top of the stands and have literally no connection to what's going on right. uh, way down on the field below you. That's true, but I guess they just want to physically be there yeah, to say that. But that's people like your brother love that. Like they, yeah, I don't wanna, get it. I'd much rather sit at, at home and watch it in full HD glory. It's still, yeah, I think that's a better setting. It is good once in a blue moon to go to a game just to kind of take in the uh, sights, but it's not a better actual viewing it's of not the football. Better, right? But it's just fun. Like, look at all these people. Anything could happen. It could be a human stampede. We can all die. <laughs> exactly. I can do that from home. It's amazing. I can go look at all those people. A lot of people. There's like a different energy. Like something can go wrong. I know. And it's kind of fun. I know. I don't get it. Yeah. Is Something that, can go you wrong. You can get blown what, up in a fucking stadium. You like think in that's fucking what they're dark night. About? Yeah, I think people like when there's just like there's like an energy. It's like, oh, look at all those people. Maybe that's why they get drunk every time they go out in these <laughs> large crowds. T- take the edge off the fear. I didn't realize that that was what was going on there. That's what's going on with me. The uh, that poet girl made quite a splash. Oh Did yeah, you the listen to future president. It's the one part I didn't watch. That was a fairly long... I said, oh, poetry, I'm out. I'm not much uh, into the poetry, but that was a very long poem. Like six minutes of yada, yada, yada. I mean, it was good from what I gathered, but... 
It was very long. It was fine. It was very, uh, it was very Lin Manuel Miranda energy. Bob for doesn't me, really like uh, women, especially that's young ones. Not true. <laughs> okay, what were you saying about Alanis Morissette? That's not fair. I don't it's, know what was totally I saying fair. about Alanis you Morissette. You said I hate when like young women are smart or something. That's <laughs> oh, completely oh not what I said. That's Talk absurd. Well, that. then why don't you like Alanis Morissette? I forget what my take was, but I'm sure that it was not. I don't like when young women are smart. Right. He's probably young it up wisdom, better than that. maybe young female wisdom. Oh yeah, there you go. What it was? was because she's got that. She, what was the context can, oh, for this? Yeah, that's right. I didn't say that. You can find the heart of the bad take. And just let's not put your dumb interpretation of it out there. That's literally what you said. She's got one of those one of those songs live, on Jagged learn. Little Pill. Is, you love, you learn. Yeah, you love, you learn. And it. She was like fucking twenty three or something when she the wrote that song. Poet was nineteen, right? And the poet was twenty two. Twenty two. The point is. I don't need to be hearing wisdom from anyone who's under the age of 25. And it doesn't have anything to do with oh, uh, so a, the woman aspect or the female thing, aspect. But all the examples just happen to be right, women. But, just a but when people, and it, I think that it probably started with like youth pastors. Like when I would listen to like 17 year olds <laughs> believing they're speaking from like a heart of true received truth. Right. And the, and the grace of God speaking through them. And I'm like, Oh, I want to throw you through a fucking window. It does and that's the same energy off. that Alanis Morissette brings to that stupid song. Who was that uh, conservative like radio talk show host? He was like 18 or something. And he was just aping whatever Rush Limpa would say. And it's like, what What do you know about any of these things? Like, It does come across odd when somebody, maybe it's just us getting old, but... Some of the it's things not. That, I've hated it my whole life. I've, even hated, you, <laughs> I've hated young people speaking to me as though they have everything figured out. Uh, I mean, if you didn't have the poetry figured out or just one thing figured out. Right. She was fine. She was... I hope that she keeps that happy, optimistic spirit about her for a much longer time than I am certainly capable of uh, maintaining. But yeah, overall, it was it was fine. It got way worse as the night went on with the Tom Hanks pre- presentation of... Whatever they called it. I don't know. You didn't watch that. You didn't punish I, yourself I, I with that. I watched it while I was working the next day. Like, Salute to America or nice. United he America. He watched it recorded. I can't believe He's only Abe. Wow. What do you mean? Isn't that what most people do? <laughs> there was a... What Not was the line? That. There was there was like a... There was a country song that they played. It was Tim McGraw oh, Tim and McGraw. someone else who isn't Tim and McGraw. And one of the Georgia, Florida guys. Actually, fun tidbit. I was watching CBS this morning... Saturday, and they did a story where, like, this rock uh, country group, Georgia, Florida. I'm sure you've heard some of their Georgia, obnoxious. Florida line. Yeah, and it's like one it's half. I don't, I don't know if it's a Georgia guy or the Florida guy, but <laughs> one of them uh, wrote a song and had Tim McGraw sing it with him. Yeah, one of the lines in that song was, "We've been hateful long enough. <laughs> we had a good run. Hate. Yeah, we've been hateful long enough is my favorite thing I've ever heard. Oh man, uh, let's stop being hateful. It's been fun, yeah. but it's the use. It's it. the use of hateful, which is such a. It, it's a perfect southernism, and you don't even realize that that's a southernism until you get away from the south but like i the first time that i think i heard it used that way was like this kid that i worked with at papa john's named john schwab and i haven't thought about him in 15 years probably but i can hear him uh on the make line 
and the phone rings and it's 3.30 in the morning and he says something under his breath about like hateful college students. And- Augie, <laughs> your friend was the first time I heard the word hateful. Oh, yeah? He called me hateful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's believable. He said, why are you so hateful? He was- I said, why are you such a motherfucker? <laughs> he was probably like three quarters drunk and just feeling transcendent and good in his he soul and feeling the overwhelming love of the universe. No, what he was doing was being hateful. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing a little projection. Uh, what else we got now that we're 35 minutes into this recording and so, haven't talked about anything? One thing that I, one ob- quick observation, um, the Sunday talk shows, you know, the, the political shows, um, there was football on Sunday, so I didn't watch them. I was watching them today when I was supposed to be working. And on Face the Nation, they had an entire episode dedicated to the, that Dr. Burks. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Every time we got to a commercial, I was like, all right, we'll yeah, be on to the next thing. Yeah. And then I come back with the fast forward button, and there's Burks again. And this is the first Face the Nation since the inauguration. So it's like it was so uneventful, like nothing happened that – People were just like, oh, let's just do a whole hour on this lady trying to explain why we all have the wrong impression of her. I mean, I don't know if she had like a relationship with the CBS or whatever, but they, it was very generous of them to, to give her this opportunity to defend her record. And she didn't do a particularly good job of explaining why she did cer- certain things. I mean, she's basically retiring from public office. And she went back to explain why she was just sitting there saying nothing when Trump was talking about the injecting yourself with bleach or whatever the hell that was. And she's like, oh, that was actually somebody else. And I was responding to something else. But the larger point I was trying to make is that this person, they were in a position to do something, right? And this has been a a recurring theme with all of these people that did nothing when they were in a position to do something under Trump. Their reputation is ruined anyhow. And they get kicked out of office anyway. So basically, if they had just resigned in May, you at least would have your your dignity intact. Right, except Fauci for some reason, right? Fauci skates entirely. very sneaky, that Fauci. He's always... uh, (laughs) Very sneaky. But he he never... But to his defense, like I think they mentioned it on the, the program, he will at least correct or he'll say... You know, he'll he'll make a point about correcting something that was said that was not true or contradicting something. She did not do that. She did not volunteer to be made available. If they if they don't let her go up, she wouldn't go up. She wouldn't be assertive in certain situations. Right. Which she is was, fine if she that's was her, her extremely style. deferential to her bosses in right. a way that the media now wants to be mad about, basically. Right. And like I don't know. I don't know. It's not I don't think it's fair to judge whether or not Deborah like there were moments in the last nine or ten months or whatever since she first came to my attention or our attention that I was furious with Deborah Burks and I can't pinpoint them now because they don't really matter. But I, I remember that press conference where he announced that there were going to be testing sites in every Walmart and CVS and like they were going to be partnering with Google. Right. And they had that awesome flowchart. Unlike the unlike websites <laughs> of the past press conference where, yeah, they had the goofy flowchart that she presented. Like, and I was absolutely furious with her. But in the aggregate, like, I don't think it's fair but to expect it, that she has to fall on the sword nine months ago because Trump is such a fucking asshole. But, like, 
if they're not if they're not listening to your expert advice, all they're doing is just exploiting your good name, right? Just to point to like we got one of these smarty pants, you know. Right, but in her head, if the other option is that then Scott Atlas's yeah. voice is the but only no, that's room the in the thing. That's why they all stuck around. A right, lot of but- the ones that stuck around in various different positions. They were worried if they left there would be no one right. saying anything good. And yeah, no one's listening to the good stuff, but at least you're there saying it. Right. That's true. And, and that was kind of my thinking throughout the whole period when I was listening to her explain how basically she was, she was basically iced out or she was kind of told, you know, all right, you do whatever and then we'll do what we want to do. And, and, and some of the proposals that were coming out were going against her recommendation. So it seemed like by the summer, at least, she no longer really had much input or people weren't listening to her because they didn't like what she was telling them, which is like things are bad and we should right. r- recognize she had no She had no input. They weren't listening to her and she wasn't allowed to go in public after that point anyway. Right. So and like, at that what point, was she still why, doing there? It would probably do more just to just say, I resign. And that would make a bigger stink to say like what's going – because – if she was in a position like uh, there were some other people that were heads of departments and maybe they had some more sway, but basically all she was trying to do is just communicate the information. And it looks like she was internally, but they just never used it when they're speaking to the public. Why not say that? You know, just say I, the, the information that's coming out of the White House under the guise of the task force that I'm supposedly heading at, or the vice president is heading this is not what I recommend, right? Because basically right. now her reputation is ruined, and for what? She didn't prevent anything bad from happening, which is one argument of st- sticking around, and her name is now tarnished. So it's like, what did you get out of that transaction? Nothing good came Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't understand why she stuck around, and I would have left if I were in her position, I think. But I don't know. None of it is good. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling especially despondent about the whole COVID stuff now, in part because... First of all, the the Biden plan for this 100 million vaccines in 100 days or whatever is super conservative in terms of— I'll say. I, my, my initial thought—maybe I just wasn't paying attention even though they say it. They've been saying this for a while. I thought they meant like 100 million Americans would be vaccinated, not like 100 million vaccine shots, which right, would be— which would, which if, if if it's the two dose version, then yeah, it's only half. And I think that according to some numbers I was looking at, if they at the current pace, if they get one hundred million shots in people between now and the first hundred days, they will have fully vaccinated somewhere between sixty and seventy million American right. people in and the first one hundred days. Currently they're doing about a million on a good day, a little under that. I mean, that's a hundred million in a hundred days if you average that, you know. So maybe they purposefully set the bar low to going back to my favorite uh, infomercial gimmick of you know not this, not that, but this price, you know. So it's like right. if you say one hundred million, whatever, and then the Johnson and Johnson vaccine that's just a single shot comes in in sometime in April, that would put them over the top easily. Right. Right. So yeah, and, and it, then it's you'll frustrating be because they sh- they should obviously be shooting for a much higher number, and then like accepting the possibility of failure, and right. then owning that. Right. But for whatever, and and it's funny because like in the press, as is obvious, they're going to largely get the benefit of the doubt here <laughs> uh, for quite some time. Right. And so why not 
have a higher why not have a, a higher bar to clear in terms of what you would consider a success? Do you think that it, it, they, they may, you know, Biden made this commitment before he was in office? Do you think he's like, I just don't know enough about what's happening in the federal government because they're not sharing all the information. I'm just going to be a little conservative. And then if we overshoot it, then that's great. Do you think yeah, like they're just kind of hedging? And, but, and the reason that I'm despondent about it is I was looking at something else that said that New York is, this was as of today or yesterday, only has 19,000 shots left. Like in their stockpile, in the state stockpile of New York, they're down to under 20,000 shots that they can distribute. Like how is this happening that we do not, because it's not like the actual medicine, it's not like the, the chemical stuff that goes in your body is unable to be produced at high volumes. Like they're going to produce this stuff. Right. It seems like the problem is entirely infrastructure and and physical capability yeah, we have a here. garbage country. Right. Right. And what? it's nuts that the country is so garbage that they can't do the thing. How like, we that... was set up to not do this when you don't have nationalized health care. Literally, this was... This, this couldn't go well. But even even if you didn't have national health care, I think it was the first de- that crazy debate, or maybe it was the, the, the other one, where Biden was saying it's not just the vaccine. It's, you know, everything surrounding yes. that. Yes. So, like, why is it that and, – and it's not just him. Everybody was just saying you need to have the infrastructure. You need to have a plan to actually get it in people's arm. And now we're at the end of January, and people are like, huh, we probably should have had a plan for that. And also, how is it that no one knows where these vaccines are? I mean, you see uh, uh, in the news where they say about 20 million have been actually administered. Closer to 40 million have been doled out. Where the hell are these other 20 million? Are they just sitting on it for the second round? Some of them go bad. Why isn't there like a better plan than what we I just don't understand. I thought the, the one saving grace of the end of the Trump era was that they had a sound warp speed program where they right, had the, no, they the warp made speed, the vaccine. Warp speed that was, was just warp speed. here's a giant pile of money. Yeah. We promise but to pay you for had, a vaccine that works. So and there was nothing no apparently was there was no planning the on the back end to figure out any of the logistics and the and the distribution of the thing. I mean that's an oversight. <laughs> yeah. As it turns you know, out it's but it's an impossible thing to do when the country is not set up to do it. Right. But that's the thing. The way that the federalism system is supposed to work is that the big government says, here's all the stuff, and now you states need to figure it out. And what's amusing is that the state that's figured it out the best so far is West Virginia of all the fucking backward-ass states. All these small states figure it out, yeah. Good for you, Alaska and West Virginia. Well, but I'll find the link. But they specifically turned down federal money because with the federal money came certain conditions in terms of how you have to distribute the thing and instead said, we're just going to do it on our own and we're not going to bother with, uh, with the federal plan. And they did it. They got it out to rural areas. They got it out to pharmacists and doctors all over their state. They didn't bother trying to partner with any particular chain or whatever. Right, but you don't And they've think had more success than anybody else. The population has an impact on that? Sure, of course, that's part of it. But it's a replicable model, right? There's nothing particular about West Virginia that is so wildly different from every other state like in the country. Texas or Georgia or New York, you think that... Right. Most of the country looks a lot like West Virginia, right? Well, Which is that it's rural and spread out. Yeah, not in terms of where all of the people are. Right. But most of Georgia looks more like West Virginia than it looks like Manhattan. 
They don't have an Atlanta. But I guess that's true, yeah. There's an overarching theme here where the Ohio Senator Portman, he's saying that he's not going to run for re-election in 22. And he makes a point about how it's so polarized, this country, and how th- bad things have gotten, and you can't make any compromises. Blah. I think Portman has a little more, you should have more criticism leveled against him than Burks. Right. He, should, he shoulders some of this blame. Right. right. Because you're in a position to do something about it. You're not doing anything about it except leaving. Just like Flake did in Arizona. All the people are just leaving. They're leaving because they... Just like They're, just like McCain did in Arizona as well. Right, the internal polling yeah, are showing. Yeah, McCain flaked off too. <laughs> <laughs> the internal polling is probably showing that he's going to lose in twenty two, right? So he's just getting out of it now, and he's trying to make it seem like it's some sort of noble thing. Right, better better to lose with your apparent honor intact than to get primaried by Jim fucking yeah. Jordan. He's like, I'm not losing that fucking guy. But it seems to be a, a trend where people. When they're in positions to do something about it, they don't do anything about it. Then they write an essay or a book, and they talk about, and they suddenly have all the solutions. It's like, how come you're not implementing any of these things when you're in a position to do something about it? And you're just kind of now making room for the Marjorie Green whatevers to fill those seats. So right. you're making things worse by leaving. Right. Things will be easily worse for Ohio if Jim Jordan becomes the senator. Right. Than if almost literally anyone else becomes the senator, <laughs> in, including the guy who's retiring. Do you think uh, uh, that Tim Ryan guy is going to make a run for it? Yeah, he seems like a likable enough kind of guy. Right, maybe he to can make it work in Ohio. Thread the needle with conservative people who don't right. think of themselves as crazy enough to vote for Jim Jordan, right. who's made an ass of himself at the national level over and over again in the Trump era. I think that the Florida senator race is going to be absolutely insane in a couple of years. You don't think any of the Trumps are going to run, right? I know they keep on floating these ideas where, like, one of them is running in North Carolina, the other one's running in Florida. I don't think any—they're going to probably just have some exploratory committee so they can get some money but not actually run. I don't know. What is Ivanka going to do with the rest of her life if not Republican politics, if not try to rehabilitate the brand— by being a slightly less awful version of her father. Maybe just lay low for a while and like in 26 come out and just say, hey, well, that was weird 10 years ago, right? And then... The thing is, they don't have any actual money. Like, she'd have to get a job at some point. I'm sure they have... I mean, they have enough money. As long as they don't call on the debt, Trump is going to be okay. Right. Um... I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't, do you think any I, of them are going to run? I can see that Florida Republican primary getting very strange, though, with Rubio wanting to keep the seat, which apparently he does. Speaking of flakes, man, he's tried to fuck off from that seat like four different times, and now he's like desperately wants to hold on. He's very proud of everything he's done in the last four years in the Trump administration. Well, I mean, he's got no other higher office that he can yeah. reach. So yeah, but between him, I imagine Matt Gates wants to make a run at something larger than just being a. You don't think a governor is a higher office than a senator? I think senator no, is a, it's not. you know, because you're not just some random state person. You're a senator of the United yeah, States. Yeah, but if you're a governor, you're the one. Right, the one in some random ass state, you know. But a senator, I you get six years. More than I respect senators. You get to show up to events. It's great. Got, you'll have Matt Gates, Ivanka Trump, Rubio. It's Florida, so there's going to be another half a dozen weirdos who try to get in on it, no doubt. Yeah, that's going to be weird. 
If Laura Trump becomes the senator from North Carolina, <laughs> I don't know about this country. Yeah, I, I just don't see. And, and your girl, I can't believe we forgot this. Uh, Huckabee. Nikki Haley. Running for oh. governor. Sarah Huckabee Sanders wants to be and the governor will, of Arkansas because Asa Hutchinson is term limited out, I think. Right. After this year. Yeah, she could win. I don't understand the. I mean, I could say some uh, less than nice things about her right now. <laughs> it would be very substantive. She is a woman. Another Alanis Morissette moment. Here we go. She's just, you know, what are you going to say? At least Alanis Morissette doesn't look like a beaten up <laughs> catcher's mitt. Uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> if we were any more popular, we'd be canceled right now. Uh, <laughs> like you were flying under the radar. <laughs> I also hate her for perfectly valid reasons right. that have nothing to do with her physical appearance, which right. is that she's her a accent. professional liar, but whatever. But you know, the job kind of requires a, a, a little fibbing here and there, not to the her extent or Spicer and, and the rest. Is she from Arkansas? Yeah. Her, yeah. I mean, she'd her, probably win. Her daddy was the governor of yeah. Arkansas. Yeah, she'd probably win. Yeah, and so she'd been like, she's in the good graces of Trump. Her dad was a governor. She's in. I mean, I don't know. And what did she do? What What are her accomplishments? Oh, that's not important. Accomplishments? What are her positions Bub, besides I, <laughs> besides just being the front face of the culture war for the Trump administration for like 26 months I mean, or whatever it was? That will make for an effective campaign. I mean, when, when, gover- when, when then Secretary of State Kemp ran, he just had like ads about like, this guy's trying to date my daughter. Ah, pew, pew, I got a gun. You know, vote for me. And then there was no problem. It's just, all right. Or I'm going to round up illegal aliens. Vote for me. Like, you don't need to have any sort of policy. Literally, I'm going to round up illegal aliens in my pickup right. truck was the ad that you're right. talking about. Yeah. And, and now apparently he's like a turncoat. But remember the story that I shared with you dealing with uh, Warnock's dog ad that's gonna be a dog centric episode i guess yeah. uh so this is a mia culpa episode for me because apparently i got this one wrong i had joked months ago about how warnock's dog was probably just his fucking dog and not some political messaging thing and it turns out he borrowed the dog that's right that beagle that cute beagle yeah it yeah. wasn't his dog it's not his dog oh. he doesn't currently own a dog so this Kelly Leffler, I don't know who the campaign manager is, but what a missed opportunity. They could have made a lot of hay out of this. Look at this guy. He lied about everything, including his whether that's his dog or not. But apparently right. that— To be fair, if you watch the ad, I don't think that he made the explicit point that this is my dog. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you right. try He's making that argument, the dog. campaign manager for Warnock. <laughs> Where did we say that? <laughs> we never said that. You show me where in this ad he claimed ownership of this animal. But they did like these focus groups and whatever. There was like some word cloud. And the amount of times that dog or poop or pet came up was just surprising. So like when people make decisions, it's not entirely like policy. Sometimes no. like, oh. And as I said to you, every time I'm talking out loud about the public – I need to actively recalibrate my understanding of how stupid they are <laughs> in order to say true things, right? <laughs> like, in order to have been right about the dog ad, right. I needed to completely tear down my understanding of how intelligent I think the average everyday but human being is. to be fair is. to the average idiot person, 
human, whatever. You know, these ads, they run them for a reason because they work, right? So, like, whatever. Yeah, because people are stupid. <laughs> no, but, like, okay. You should watch our son watch commercials. He's, like... <laughs> He's never happier than when there's a commercial yeah. and he's like getting the joke that uh, they're making. See? Oh, he's just so captured. He's the t- he's at eight years old. He is the an eight-year-old white male. Say what you will yeah. about the not a position lot of, of white men in, not in society. Not a lot of purchasing power at eight, but go ahead. No, not a lot of purchasing no, power. It's fucking worse. But but it's that mindset, like that's what's terrifying, is that when I look at him watching these commercials and I know the impact that they're having on my idiot eight-year-old son, that's the actual impact that it's having on grown adults right. with money in their pockets to go out. And, and like I have long said, like I don't think advertising works. Like I don't understand how there's this entire industry and that the media basically thrives on it, that right. that all of the culture basically now – the whole thing is propped up by the advertising model right. that somehow because it's preferable than having people pay directly. How many people subscribe? You know why? Because I haven't stopped thinking about that uh, diet Dr Pepper with cream soda. <laughs> I really want to try it. Yeah, but there's also Coca Cola coffee again. I learned today. You yeah, might I saw have that to. on Twitter too. They're trying Coca Cola coffee again. Well, oh, this the is... point is that when I was eight or ten years old. Yeah. I could get really excited about the culture, right? Like it was it was talking to me and I would feel within me an excitement welling up that I see now in my son. And I wonder, when am I supposed to, and is it my job to burst that fucking bubble for him? Like when when do I when do I sit him down and say, son, I have some news. It's It's not great. The world sucks. No, because (laughs) for some people it doesn't suck. Right. And, and you made it just it, fine. Your brother just fine. is a great son, example of that. Son, dear son that I love, if you want me to love you in an uh, ongoing sort of way, conditional love. I'm going to need you to appreciate how much uh, you're being lied to. <laughs> no, it's you, two, at least two of your brothers are good examples of people who the world doesn't suck for yeah sure and i like it's just that it sucks for you because you're it's not just that it sucks for me it's that watching so an example i don't know if we talked about it on the show we mentioned it i don't know if it made the show the spider-man into the spider-verse movie that came out a couple years ago right and we watched that so good it was great yeah and it was what was most shocking about it is how far like because it's not like it's it's not some sort of transcendent artistic experience. It's just really fucking good right. as like a comic book superhero animated film feature, right? It's just really good at what it does. And that is such a vanishingly small part of the culture that when you look at a movie like Tenet, which is largely incomprehensible right. for like for the entire <laughs> runtime, but also Man, that's what movies should fucking right. be, right? Right. Like, you should go to the movies and be like, whoa, that was fucking awesome. Like, that was really cool. Smart people did this. And even if I don't know what the hell was going right. on, even if it's not perfect, like, that's what pop art should be. You think it so? should Why be can't really be... great. And those stupid Marvel movies were never just like, oh, man, that was really great. The, the closest they got was like you could walk out of Thor Ragnarok and be like, yeah, that was pretty fun. Right. Like, that was that was entertaining and interesting to look at. What, what, other than that, it, the movies fucking sucked. But what's wrong with just the movie just being 
just fine. Like I, I was watching Richard Jewell, the Clint Eastwood movie. Not a particularly good movie, but they hit all the notes. And then they explain everything. There was a lot of like people <laughs> internal thoughts saying out loud, "Oh, he couldn't have done it," or this, that, or the other. But like everything. Was Are just you like, saying that like ninety-three-year-old Clint Eastwood has uh, <laughs> lost the thread on subtlety? <laughs> Literally, what I think this is like the third time that I've seen it, but. I was like, my God, everything. They showed you their hand at every opportunity, but it was fine. Everything doesn't have Isn't to be that, Doesn't that end up, I didn't see it, but doesn't it end up being like a polemic against the media in general? Right. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, the media got it wrong and they rail the media and the federal government by way of the right. FBI. So like one of those things. Oh, from the guy who gave a nine-minute speech to an empty chair <laughs> at the right. RNC in 2012. <laughs> Shocking. Right. But there's room for that. It, every movie doesn't have to be this like engaging thing, but sometimes what it it is, it's it's fun. Right. But that's what I'm uh, that's all I'm saying. The only that- path forward with uh disrupting or bursting a bubble, it can be direct, Bob. What you got to do is show him an infomercial of a product that looks amazing and then give him that product and they'll realize, <laughs> "Wow, they lied to me about this. What else, you know?" No, because it's it's within a person. Because it's even not just if it's, within a person. No, it is because if we, no, because it was within me. I recognize in the child the same thing that I had when I was that age. Yeah, and all it the went away. Yeah, but that's not to say that it has to go away in everyone. Right, and, yeah. and and it's you know I could get some shitty product and it doesn't work as magically, and I go oh okay. And then, like, I, I lose no faith in the rest of anything. It's just oh, that was okay. one thing that sure. didn't quite but work out as well. Here's an example. I bought a product off of Amazon a few years ago. It was a, a chainmail scrubber for cleaning cast iron skillets. Okay. Right? So you don't want to use soap and water on a cast iron skillet. Good you to want know. to just clean it with hot water. This is obviously the best episode ever. And then dry it <laughs> and then oil it. Anyway, right. I bought a chainmail scrubber and... I didn't know whether or not it was going to work. There were reviews, but it I worked. take it. There were reviews. And yes, I am an insane person who... reviews for days. Before buying an $11 piece of <laughs> dish cleaner helper, I would spend two weeks reading the reviews on different iterations of this product, trying to decide which one to go with. Because above all else, I hate returning things. Right. If I buy something... I made that decision, and I don't expect you to take it back off my oh, hands. I, I don't know why I have that position, I, but it's a strong one. I, I don't return things either, but it's mostly because of laziness. I just absorb the. No, cost. I have this. I have this weird like. No, I made this decision. <laughs> I need to live with it. With it. <laughs> it's it's an it's awful. But anyway, so wait, okay, talk about the stupid so you received the product. dish scrubber again, which I does work the very well, and it was great. Oh, and I like. And it did exactly what I wanted it to do, which is I can just lightly apply it and scour the surface of my uh, cast iron dish, and it does the job. And I was absolutely floored by it because it's such a rare thing that you buy a thing and it does what it's supposed to do and you have nothing to complain about. And then I, like, three days later, I ground it up in this stupid garbage disposal in the sink and had to buy a new oh. one <laughs> of the same so brand he liked it so much he bought it twice yeah although my experience is mo- most stuff is whatever it is, they say it is right you you have that many bad experiences i got my coin purse it's just that things, things no are, he doesn't things are rarely 
as good as they're purported to be. Really? That that is my experience, and maybe it's because I expect too much out of things in general. I I bought uh, a this I, this is turning into some Amazon thing, but just just to <laughs> restore your faith that most things are what they are. There was this stapler. They said it was thirty three percent easier to staple. I'm like, what? <laughs> First of all, thirty-three percent easier. This wasn't like a, a big hardship. I didn't have problems stapling things, but thirty-three percent, I'll take it. You know, you just didn't know how much trouble you were having. That's right. I, I don't know if it's exactly thirty-three percent, but it is significantly easier. <laughs> to the point where one of my coworkers tried to steal my stapler. Uh oh. And so some products What's the brand? are as advertised. Is it a, is it a swing line? What's the brand? I don't know. Swing line. There you go. Well known. I now only want to wear a very specific shirt from Lululemon. Yeah. So much that now I have five. Yeah. So that I don't ever have to wear any other kind of shirt. Exactly. When I find something that works, stick with it. I buy all of yeah. it, just in case they don't make it anymore. And I get I get shit for having only four shirts in my wardrobe. <laughs> I have four different shirts. Bob has shirts that don't fit and are mostly full of holes. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, you get some shit for it. But right now, no one sees anyone, right. so it's fine. It's totally fine. Also, your birthday is on Saturday. Sorry, oh, everyone. Look at that. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to... I'm not going to, like, tell my kid that everything that he likes secretly sucks, but... I mean, we do tell him openly that a lot of stuff that he likes sucks. By the way, true. Bob... When you were growing up, when did you realize things were like nobody had to burst your bubble, right? Why are you trying to burst? When did I lose my innocence? Yeah, like um, it just came naturally. Puberty. I don't know. The answer is puberty. Oh, really? <laughs> no, because I was still like I went to go see the Phantom Menace, the star, the first Star Wars prequel. Is that the Jar Jar one? Yeah, yeah and then the I Jar Jar one. And I got right back in line and bought a second ticket and watched it twice on opening. Oh, no on the opening day. Because you're a dork. Did you miss something yeah, the first sure. time or just like? No, he just liked no, I, it that much. I wow. just, the last 20 minutes of that movie fucking rule, and I wanted to watch it again. Nice. No matter how bad the rest of it might be. The, okay, so then sometime the last... after that. Maybe the yeah. 9-11? The, the war in Iran? It's not that Pizza? I ever, it's not that, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's not that I ever had this, like, moment of the, where the scales fell from my eyes and all was revealed to be shit. Uh, just the opposite, I think, of how that's supposed to go. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't puberty. think I... Puberty. I'm, I'm giving you the answer. It's puberty. Oh, yeah. So everybody will hit puberty at some point, and then they'll come out of it. <laughs> yeah. I do... Let's... Uh, we don't have much of a plan here tonight, obviously. Last week... And I know you haven't listened to it yet. I uh, monologued at the top of the show for a while because I didn't want to bore everyone with our impeachment talk. And also there were some technical difficulties, which hopefully are not being replicated at this precise moment. I'm afraid that I might have a bad microphone wire, which makes a funny, fuzzy noise only on my microphone. So I need to replace that. And I haven't yet. So hopefully we're not having the same problem again tonight. Could have tested that and found out. Between last three yeah, days. but whatever. Yeah. I'm not too. Okay. I'm not too committed to the final product of this show. It's the <laughs> the friends we make along That's the way. Right. Oh man! Speaking of, before I get into this other thing, so the Q people oh, on yeah. inauguration day were going full on 
the comet is coming and there's there's room on the back of it for all of us and on inauguration day the comet will pass overhead and we all be raptured the fuck up out of the earth and we'll be delivered into uh, nirvana of course it wasn't hell bop but rather it was the storm that was coming and trump was going to having managed and by the way this isn't just like some weirdo singular crank on twitter who believed this it's like this whole community of people who believe in the q thing they call those cults right yeah, at what point and did it stop being a political fringe and it turns into a cult a doomsday the cult. very beginning I mean, they, these people on a Inauguration Day were convinced that what was going to happen was that at like 11.45 or so, shortly before Biden took the oath, Trump was going to like unleash the troops and have a mass military tribunal for all of the gathered traitors and like have them executed <laughs> on the public square and then retain the presidency right? right like people actually thought this but you know the people and who it, think this they they're okay with that they're excited that's about it that's what they wanted but you no longer live in a democracy then like they're they're fine with they're excited about it. This was the moment they'd been waiting for when all of the Satanist pedophiles were going to be rounded up and executed and Trump was going to ascend back to the throne. So obviously that didn't happen because Donald Trump was <laughs> safe in Mar-a-Lago by then when Joseph Robinette Biden was sworn in. That asshole. And so the guy who, if you've and I don't blame you for not, but if you'd been following along, you would know that they have a pretty decent idea of who Q is. And it's probably the guy who took over 8chan from the original founders and then like had to split it off into something else. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But it's this guy. His name is Jim. He's got a son. They're weirdos. Yeah. They live in the Philippines yeah, some or something. Yeah, island country, right? Yeah. Right. And... It looks like he's Q or he knew the guy who was Q and they were working together to do all of this stuff. And he posted a thing on whatever the next generation of 8coon or something. What's that about? Where he literally said, well, I guess that didn't work out as we thought it would, but maybe Q was just about the friends we made along the way. Like he used that. that Did he actually say that? Yes. I will pull it up now. Because I, I heard that they're revising it. Something is going to happen on the 4th of March now. They keep on kicking the can down the road. It's kind of like those, the end of the world yeah, will happen on this day, and then it doesn't happen, and they move it. All right. So this is, I think this is the younger Watkins. So there's Jim Watkins, and then he's got a son, and he said this on Telegram. We gave it our all. Now we need to keep our chins up and go back to our lives as best we are able. We have a new president sworn in, and it is our responsibility as citizens to respect the Constitution, regardless of whether or not we agree with the specifics or details regarding officials who are sworn in. As we enter into the next administration, please remember all the friends and happy <laughs> memories we made together over the past few years. I'll have more to say in a few days regarding a new project I'm currently fleshing out. God bless. Wait a minute. That was R Ron Watkins. They, they, he signed off as Ron? Yeah. So he's not pretending to be Q. No. Okay. How did he think but, that his audience is going to take that? Because he's 
presented this as like this. By the way, if that doesn't read as like a hostage note as somebody who's really afraid that the FBI is about to come banging <laughs> down his door, like I don't know what does. Right. So like, that's- hey, everybody, you fucking absolute <laughs> maniacs out there who took this thing seriously that I made up. Uh, you should respect the Constitution because that'd be good. Yeah. And maybe Q was just the friends we made along the way. That would be. And I suspect that they're going to spin that into he's compromised now or whatever so they can continue the ruse. Yeah, I don't know how he exp- I don't know how he expects his followers to take it. Yeah, I don't what, know. What a disaster. But it's, I, I don't think it's going to end. It's going to continue because people want to believe in this nonsense. And they kind of built like identity around it. It's exactly like an apocalyptic death cult where the date that the crazy preacher man who has calculated everything from Deuteronomy down to the last second thinks that the apocalypse is coming and then you wake up and everything's fine. <laughs> and they're like, oh. And he's like, ah, oh, shit. Well, I did the math wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they won't they won't let it go, I'm sure. I mean a lot of them will be disillusioned. But yeah, I mean maybe it's like my son watching the stupid Budweiser commercials and laughing at every stupid joke. It's there's a target market for that sort of stuff and it, you know, Man. reality failing to deliver on it doesn't stop you from being a believer one way or another. I, I I'm not in their shoes, but I can't imagine the shame I would feel if I came out of that stupor like, "Oh my god, what the hell was I believing the last 10 months?" Like <laughs> How do you walk all of that back? Like, oh, got a little carried away there in 2020. The pandemic and stuff, I was very stressed. I don't like being wrong about, like, simple facts. <laughs> like, I don't like, I don't, like, yeah. I get flushed and uncomfortable he, when I when I does. make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> so, yeah, so imagine just saying all kinds of nonsense over and over again, posting about it, telling your friends. So it's not like you're, you know, you're friends and co-workers don't know and then some guy tells you oh we had fun toodaloo <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that like oh i bought all of these flags and that where we go one this other thing happens that that stupid letter thing completely incoherent where we wwg1 <laughs> wwga whatever it is so stupid yeah uh, anyway so, but but back to the it's preferable that don't, don't let the shame discourage you, folks. Uh, That's right. Come, come <laughs> off it. <laughs> what we mean to say is uh, come back to reality. We're going to be real nice right. about I'm everything. Saying, Don't worry about it. If it happened to me, I'd be very ashamed. Apparently, shame is no no big hurdle for you. Just, you know, come off it. Right. I, uh, I think before one of the more prominent apocalypse predictors got it wrong a few years ago on Facebook, I put something on Facebook that was like, Hey, anybody out there who actually believes this, don't feel bad when the world doesn't end tomorrow. Just let's have a talk. We can talk about it. It'll be good. No one took you up on that offer? No. Okay. No, nobody wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> Curious. Last week. Nope. <laughs> you got me there, Bob. I was wrong. Don't start talking about you. last week. Something happened this week with someone named Lauren Wolf and the New York Times and Glenn Greenwald, who is an increasingly obnoxious follow on Twitter. <laughs> He's one of the few people that I do follow, and he is, uh, he is that. He's is there a obnoxious. feature where you can unfollow someone? Yes, but okay. I will never unfollow the people who annoy me the most. <laughs> so, like, Glenn Greenwald, I will follow to the ends of the earth. 
hating him every step right. along the way. Uh, there's another one, uh, Rachel Bittekofer, who's an MSNBC contributor who I believe graduated from the University of Georgia with uh, some sort of doctorate in oh, political no science. She's obnoxious in uh, how? What was her angle? She's just always – so she's just developed a negative partisanship model that accurately predicted a lot of what happened in 2018 and has been very annoying about it ever since. <laughs> oh, like you wouldn't be. Um, get to what you're talking about because it's getting late. Yeah. Anyway. You could just not talk about it. Yeah, it's just, just – it'll be brief. It's never But it, it also f- – it also connects a little bit with what we've been talking about tonight, so might as well. Yeah, she uh, has the rescue dog, of course. That's the connection. Go ahead. Right, so Lauren Lauren Wolf, New York Times, Glenn Greenwald, she tweeted some cringy stuff about how she felt. Uh, what did she say? Not a chill. Ch- she chills, Or right? she had chills yeah. watching Joe Biden's plane come in or something. So she had like another tweet apparently that she since deleted where she got it wrong to say that the pettiness of the outgoing Trump administration did not afford the Biden team a plane, so they had to get the right. Home. So she accidentally peddled in some fake news right. by promoting a meme that suggested that Donald Trump had not extended a military plane to the Bidens to get them from Woman point team. A to point yeah. B on inauguration day, when in fact none of that was at issue. Right, right. <laughs> there was, yeah. it, they, it just they had wasn't their a own thing. plan. Everything was good to go. Yeah. Right. It was just some obnoxious like Krasenstein bro who made some shit up about the Trump administration and then it made the rounds on Twitter and she, a credulous reporter, <laughs> retweeted the information. By the way, the secret ingredient to like fake news making the rounds is that it makes one side want to, want to believe that it's true. So like to right. where it, it bypasses – maybe I should look into this to confirm – I was like, no, this is such a juicy, I'm just going to post it and then egg on your face. Right. Lauren Wolf does a bad tweet in a sort of meaningless way and ends up not working for the New York Times anymore a couple of days later. And it's not clear what the exact circumstances are here, but the circumstantial evidence would suggest that she is not employed by the New York Times any longer because of a couple of tweets. And a pressure campaign – criticizing right and a and and the fact that it was pointed out by a someone like glenn greenwald who has a very large following on twitter who's able to bring to bear a great deal of public pressure when he feels like it now this ties in a little bit with what i was on about last week uh, in my little monologue which isn't fair to you because you weren't there for it right. and did not Get the gist participate. Of it. I haven't listened to it. So, and no one has listened to it. But it's a little bit about like cancel culture and and the extent to which we should hold people personally and immediately responsible in every domain of their life for some silly stuff that they did in some other domain of their life. Right. So this particular person, and it's weird how the article that I read, they couldn't pin down her what type of employment she had if she was uh, just on some short contract thing or like an employee or in any event she's not a political reporter she, she's doing like sexual violence in syria and africa and all kinds of things so my question just at the top is are reporters not allowed to have personal opinion about things like are they supposed to take like a vow of celibacy like a priest or like they can't be into something or another if she was like a Covering politics, I would understand. And if that's the case, then why 
are any reporters on Twitter because most of my Twitter feed, I just follow media people. Right. And they all tweet opinions a lot of the time. Which is fine. Even the ones who are more on the journalist, hard journalist end, are often tweeting about either personal takes or whatever. Right. And yeah, it should be fine. So if that's fine, then I think it was Scahill or someone else pointed out Chris Matthews or or whomever, he said something similar where he had chills going down his spine after something Obama said or his leg. Like people have said things like that. And, you know, I guess what they shouldn't do that is that. I don't know. And it's not like Matthews wasn't severely derided for it all across conservative media. Right, right? Was, yeah. It's not like that didn't make waves. And yet NBC managed to stand up against the the horde of Ben Shapiro takes or whatever right. and and allowed Matthews to keep his job up until a couple of years ago anyway. Maybe this is all for nothing and just – I mean the timing is a little questionable. So it's kind of hard to say that this just so happens to be the end of her contract. They just didn't pick it up for valid non-tweet reasons. But it sounds like they just said she's not worth the trouble that we're getting. Right. It's a, it's a she's not worth the trouble thing. It's you don't – you're not big enough. It's Colin Kaepernick is like a decent backup quarterback in the NFL these days, but you'd be out of your goddamn mind to sign him to your football right, team. Right, because, yeah, it's not worth the hassle. Right, so right. it could be that, but even so— It's not so, Colin what, Kaepernick's fault, It's not, and it's not Lauren Wolf's fault or whatever, but, like, but, yeah, but it makes sense. Can I just say this keeps going back and forth where when somebody does something like this against this type of reporter, people are saying, oh, they shouldn't have caved to the pressure, blah, 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 blah. And then if something happens where it's somebody on the conservative side that gets that they, they get the worst end of it, then people are fi- fine with it, depending on what side you're on or you're not. Right. So then, th- then all of a sudden, cancel culture is not what a thing. What was it? Ben Shapiro, wasn't he like a guest whatever for Playbook for Political? And like a hundred reporter for the work for that company wrote some letter saying that they wanted him out or they didn't like. How him. dare you platform right. Ben Shapiro? How dare you platform Ben Shapiro by giving him an essay in Politico, which was probably read by like the normal political Politico playbook thing is probably read by at most what half a million yeah, page probably, view? Yeah. Like that is probably being super generous right. on a good day. It's probably way fewer than that whereas ben shapiro frequently like regularly dominates the top 10 of things shared on facebook on any given day and has done so for the last four years right what are we talking about like if anything ben shapiro is giving politico a platform by writing an essay for them because it's going to be shared widely by his entire audience who normally wouldn't share anything on politico isn't it since there's a mutual harm because this this could impact anybody you would think this would be one area where people would let's have a truce let's not go for someone's head every time they say something you don't like you can criticize you know their op-ed or their essay or whatever but the idea that if you do something that i don't like if you say i have chills because you saw biden's plane criticize sure take a dig right but and to be fair to, to be removed. to be fair to annoying ass glenn greenwald he didn't call for her right. to be fired by right. the new york times his original tweet was just hey by the way obsequious media types let's not be fawning all over this administration for the next four years the way that this person is right. doing a little more dignity and it's it's not great that he because it's not like he couldn't have blocked out her 
identifiers and and you or maybe used a different example or anonymized it in some way and it's not like you need an example of it you can just open your eyes and look around at the entire media ecosystem at the moment and realize that they're playing with kid gloves when it comes to the administration here at the start so i don't I don't necessarily want to defend him doing this, right. but I also don't want to condemn him for doing it either. I, mean, I don't. I suspect that that was not his intent, but basically just kind of calling out, like, "Well, look at look what's happening here." And then other people took off with it, and she's now gone. But that's the other thing. Like, are we to be dispermitted from doing certain kinds of criticism because of? what the worst people like if the cast iron brains twitter feed had a tomorrow i woke up and there were a hundred thousand followers on it like some number of them wouldn't be bots and some number of the not bots would be terrible right like yeah. <laughs> oh yeah without a doubt when you have a crowd that size as we were talking about a couple weeks ago there's going to be some people in the crowd who identify with you who you would be horrified right. to be identified <laughs> with and and who are going to act in a way that is not cool, right? Right. So now, because the Cast Iron Brain's Twitter has this massive reach and following, am I supposed to not mention that this one NPR reporter did a bad job because I know for a fact that somebody in my audience is going to come after them in a way that's not acceptable? Right. I guess that would be something you would have to consider. I mean, in an ideal world, you should just be able to just say whatever, but... Right, because people should be responsible for what and al- they say. Also... I shouldn't be responsible Glenn, for what I mean, they say. Women seem to have a tough go of it when these things happen, and she's been getting harassed and getting sent all kinds of vile things. He couldn't find like some random just goobered some dude just to say because there's been there's plenty of tweets where that same sentiment is expressed. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but then you're not so you're not allowed no, to no, criticize. No, I understand. Like, but we're saying ideally, in an ideal world, it shouldn't matter. But like knowing what you know that. Basically, anytime there's any sort of criticism like this levied against some woman, this always this always happens. It's always it's the same thing. Oh, I'm gonna do this to you, blah blah blah. Do that, to, you know. So yeah, pick another. I know how to solve the problem. You just delete the website, Jack. You just delete Twitter, <laughs> and everything will be better. It, things have been a lot quiet since uh, quieter for the better since they got rid of the other guy, right? His account. So if they got rid of yeah, everyone's they should account, let him, they should let him back on Twitter, right? What's that? Like at some point, they, they they're going to let him yeah, back on Twitter, right. right? But so far, it's been very quiet. And so you're right. If he Jack pressed that button and everybody got off, people, oh, there's outside, there are children, <laughs> <laughs> there's all this other stuff. As you can probably tell from our lack of preparation here, I have found myself in a similar situation as maybe the media does, which is like. I don't really want to talk about this shit right now. Like I just and and all of the all of the conversation is at its and it's amazing that the discourse could be worse with Trump removed from it. But at least when you had Trump there as the antagonist to the situation, you could have the like there was an intelligent way to respond to Trump even though he's the turd in the punch bowl, right? At least it felt like there was something. What is what's the opposite of disingenuous? There's something genuine. Genuine. I was gonna say <laughs> ingenuous about responding Just to like him. Just like ingenuine should be a word instead of disingenuous. Right. It's double negative. It's a bullshit word. Good point. <laughs> good Thank point. you. <laughs> I never thought about that. 
I should get to the bottom of this, uh. Webster. <laughs> anyway, I don't like the point that I'm trying to make here anyway. I wish you would stop. I don't like where you're it's going. January 25th. You're, you're acting like in any way things aren't 1 million percent better no, right now. No, it's just that it's just that there's when you're left with Marco Rubio to go on the Sunday shows and say well, you know, it's just, and he's like sleepily saying how unconstitutional it would be to hold this trial about impeaching the president. It's like, I don't know why it's expected of me or anyone else to muster the energy to respond it's to not. that stupid shit. You and, don't have to respond to but any that's of it. A United States senator saying nonsense things and who's going to go about like, and, and, He's going to base a really important decision on something that's just pure nonsense and bullshit, right. and he's going to maintain that for the rest of his life. And somebody should do the work of pointing out why it's bullshit yeah, that he has that you. position. It's the other senators I, that need to do that. But they don't have the standing, right? They like, should. They, but they don't. They don't have the standing outside of their tribe. They have none of the standing. Oh, I see okay, but it's not up to you or me or anyone we know to have the standing. I feel compelled, nonetheless, to step into the void and and try to say something about it because of the weird and stupid belief that I have that since everyone else's standing is compromised, that we might have something to contribute in, in this space, but also, uh, which is dumb. Right. I recognize that. But for me, at least, it feels important. But you get why it's a political calculation. He knows he's what he's saying is nonsense. All all of the senators, their arguments get they're rallying around the fact that it's unconstitutional to hold the president accountable once they leave office, right? They're gonna. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But he wasn't impeached after he left office. He was impeached through the constitutional order, and then the time ran out. It's just what makes. But what other argument do they have? I mean. This is a very specific charge. It's, they didn't. They could have thrown in the Georgia call and other things, but this is a very specific case. And when the trial begins, the argument will be very strong. It's like there's no way around it. This happened, and this happened, and then this happened, and then all hell broke loose. And all of these pieces are connected, and the president is responsible for these things happening. End of case. And the only other argument is that you're just going to that you're take I think he said you're taking gasoline and throwing it on the embers of this fire right. as though you're going to make things worse by just talking about the thing that the president did 6 weeks ago right. like <laughs> and you're going to inflame the violent passions of the very people like do you not get that it's important to point out that the president cannot and should not be permitted to do these things without suffering a consequence right, right? they get it they're, they're just saying they're trying to survive politically in the short term, and they can't do that convicting this popular goober. But also— It's just the, there's this insane incongruity between a refusal— like Because what they're doing is they're—I think that there's a conflation going on between cancel culture and Donald Trump. Like They're explicitly trying to tie together this idea that all the Democrats are trying to do is cancel— Donald Trump. And they're banking on the fact that this has become a stupid culture war issue, like we were just talking about, where if it's a conservative who's 
taking the heat, then liberals say that it's not a thing that actually happens. Right. And when it's a liberal taking the heat, then it's the end of the world because Glenn Greenwald or, or Tucker Carlson or whoever is the one pulling the strings. Right. And also, almost doesn't even matter what happens. It's just like, you're on my side. It's cool. If not. It was weird. I th- was it Rubio that basically said that part of the Republican platform is to go against cancel culture? Oh, is that what? The- I think it was. <laughs> Who said that? It was Rubio. I think Ron, Rand Paul got into cancel culture. No, it wasn't him this, that I saw this. It must have been Rubio. It was such a weird. I just can't imagine the policy. There is no policy. That's that a, that's another thing. Linked to can't, but in his head. Yeah. Like, how is that a platform? A lot of people are like, yeah, there is a lot of canceling well, going yeah. around. Sarah, Sarah Sanders sure. did that in her announcement video yeah. today. One of one of her points of pride is that she stood up against the cancel culture mob and survived. Right. And now they can fight back against that mob by making her the governor of Arkansas. But with what? How do you fight back against that? Yeah, just, just writing this sentiment of... I don't understand. But it it must pull really well because they're all saying the same thing. It must. Because, like, I I don't agree with them. Right. But I can understand someone hating cancel culture. I don't understand what you then do about it. (laughs) Right. And to be clear, there's a difference between whether or not a reporter should be fired from her job for doing cringy tweets and whether or not we should hold accountable the president of the United States for trying to convince half the country that they don't have a country anymore. And he's been doing that for five years and it culminated in a violent attack on the Capitol at his behest. And and the fact that they refuse to acknowledge that there's a difference between those two things is crazy making. And also, people that are strongest into canceling people or deplatforming them, how's the campaign going? It seems like uh, you're just giving people these outs, and nobody's talking about the specific causes. Because if you just argue you're wrong and these are these are the reasons why you're wrong, then you're talking about that. But if you're just like get this person fired, then the topic becomes: a, Is it right to fire somebody for saying it something? Just away. focus on yeah. the stupid right. things. We live done. in this. We live in this insane world of like Tipper Gore's making of the uh, like we come out of the 1980s. It's like they we're in bizarro land where Tipper Gore wins with her parental advice, like the rap. Right. With the parental advisory stuff the, where right. we live in this this world where we're constantly being everyone lives in constant danger of being scolded by like half the country and and now you have like the whole weight of the world in your pocket because of the stupid phone speaking of which abe do you know when 24 season one premiered it premiered november of 2001 how did you know that off holy the top shit of your head? <laughs> how did you do that <laughs> is that right <laughs> Yes, that's yes. right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I've watched 24 like many times. <laughs> that doesn't say when it premiered. <laughs> because there was that whole concern about, oh, the, the 9-11 happened. What? How insane is it that they had that show in the can and then 9-11 happened? Right. And then they said, yeah, go yeah, with it. It's it. fine. Yeah. They'll love it. And- <laughs> so my question is, if 9-11 happened this year, Yes. Like if that was September 11th of this year, yeah. would 24 still have been released on schedule? Oh, pro- probably not. 
That would, you know, that, like that's that's the difference between now and apparently fucking 20 years there ago. Was, in the first three hours of 24, a woman blows up an airplane and after jumping oh, out of it. that's right. She right? got those credentials and they were going to the California primary, right? Within yeah. two months of 9-11 happening on national broadcast television, they blew up a 747. Wasn't it the... The summer or whenever the Trayvon Martin incident happened with the other guy, Zimmerman, there was a Ben Stiller movie that was going to be called Neighborhood Watch. And I think they had to oh, postpone it sense. and change the title. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, yeah. and that was years ago, that was like eight years ago. Yeah. Now, they, the show would be canceled. Like, he's like, are you kidding me? We can't have a show about some crazy terrorists. But they, but they put it out and they loved it so much that Abe. The brain where information goes to die remembered when it premiered. That's how big of an influence it had. It was such a ridiculous show. I was like, look at this guy. He's breaking all the rules. He would shoot people. He would bite them. And then you kept looking at the calendar going, oh, November 2001. I'll remember this. (laughs) You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Send us an email, brainironpodcast at gmail.com. At some point, I will compile the results of the CIBEFG 2020, and we will have a winner. I don't know when that will be. Abe, I understand you've been doing some extracurricular reading and not telling me about it. Right. So last year was a very down year for my reading. I only read like, it was like less than 10 books. And I'm trying to get back up into the 30s for the year. And my strategy is to start with very short books. And surprisingly, there's a lot of like classics Pamphlets. that I haven't read. <laughs> so I just finished, uh, and then there were none that Agatha, whatever. Book. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Like, that was good. So you're on like a, a literally on like a seventh grade yes. English class. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think you can just go Clue? back. I was watching ER. It's like I'm going back in time, just like, just. You are not watching I'm, ER. I'm like in the third Stop season. It. George Stop Clooney's it. We're been, watching 24. You don't get like, to shame anyone. He's still in, in it in the third season. I thought it was gone after the first. Have you seen Clue, the movie? No. What is that? Clue. Oh, we should watch it. Okay. No, nothing. We'll talk about it later. So after, now I'm reading um, the DiCaprio book. The, that's the, not the Great Gatsby. Yes, the DiCaprio Yeah, The book. Great Gatsby. So far, so good. Very funny uh, early on. So... I'm yeah. about halfway so, done. Okay, so I will try to catch up. I, I've read Gatsby a bunch of times, and I can, I can always go for another reread of Gatsby. And I think that's something we could talk about on the show yeah. potentially. There's a lot of F. Scott Fitzgerald, one of the only writers I like. Yeah, there's a lot of books that you've probably read a million times that I haven't. The next one I'm reading is Brave Whatever, some Brave World or Brave New World. Yes. Bob hadn't. I read that first of all oh, three of us. Really, I read that, and then Bob oh. read it. Yeah, it's not that good. Uh, I don't know if I must have read it. I'm convinced that I read it in middle school or high school and then forgot about okay. it. But yeah, I've, it's not it didn't even I read that a few years ago. It's fine. It's an it's an example of something that needed to exist so better things okay. could exist. It's like a rough draft or a, a more polished. Yeah, it just there's so much good stuff that was influenced by that book that wouldn't have existed, but that doesn't mean it's good. Actually, like a genre, it's like. It is a whole genre. It's most stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I uh, I took the opportunity of Hank Aaron's passing to read some of his autobiography in the last couple of days. And, man, reading the autobiography of Henry Aaron 
the week after I got done talking about uh, how everybody should relax about white supremacy on the podcast. <laughs> Is it a little bit like you got what was coming to you? It was. It, it's. It's an amu- let's just say it's an amusing contrast. Yeah. I don't I don't take back anything that I said <laughs> the on the spirit, podcast. What you said was correct. <laughs> right, it's still true. It's all good. But the uh, the shit that he went through. Yeah, the thing that people choose to care about, like the the fact that they were so attached to the idea of uh, Babe Ruth, some white guy, or he looked kind of mixed, but whatever, uh, had this record, and this black guy is trying to ruin whatever they Italian. have in their idea as a. Yeah, give me one second and we'll go out on one of the quotes because, like, there's some – Hank Aaron got some letters, man. Yeah. Like, some really <laughs> bad letters. I believe it. And he he refers to them – and I'm going to say a, I'm gonna say the bad word here, and I apologize for anybody who doesn't like to hear the word. But, like, it's a word and it's okay right. and I don't mean it. But he referred to them as uh, th- his dear nigger letters <laughs> because – so many of the letters were just addressed, dear nigger. And then, that was their salutation, like greetings? Just right. That, that was how they dear. started the letter. Dear. Right. I hope this letter finds dear. you well. I do wish you harm, though. Sincerely. People are so dumb. The amount of trouble. These aren't emails. These aren't tweets. These are letters that people had to get paper and write yeah. it and seal it and put a stamp put a on sta- it yeah. and put it in the mailbox. <laughs> so that goes to show that like it, the internet isn't that different right. than and the way things were. And track down his address. Yeah. They had to get like the um, and people were still shit talking on the internet. Did he read it, did he read it, it directly or did he have somebody like filter out the worst. So he had a secretary who got all of his mail because he got more mail the year that he broke the record than any other individual in the country did. Right. He got he personally received a million pieces of mail and like the next closest was under a hundred thousand or something crazy wow. like that. So he had somebody opening it and she had to send the worst of them to the FBI and then the ones that weren't like as serious he told her to keep. All right. So there's this one letter. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's multiple pages long, but it's printed in Aaron's autobiography. And it starts by saying that, how dare you do this? Because what you're doing, and I'm not a racist, sir. Obviously, I'm not a racist. But you're going to destroy the dreams of every young child in this country Because right now what we have is we have Babe Ruth, and Babe Ruth is a legend. And if your name goes on top of Babe Ruth in the record books, then every little kid who opens the record book and looks and sees your name instead of Babe Ruth's name will be robbed of the legend of Babe Ruth, right? So this this is the argument that this person is making. Are you ready to destroy that child's dreams? Because that's what you'll do, Mr. Aaron. If not for that child, then for the children of the future. And you know what that means to the future of America? So what it all boils down to is this. When my son turns the page in a record book and looks for home runs and sees your name at the top of the list, he's not going to care one bit about Babe Ruth, Mr. Aaron, because Babe Ruth isn't going to be there. Is that what you want, Mr. Aaron? When you and I are dead and gone, do you want the world to know nothing about Babe Ruth because you took the one thing away from him that the world today still remembers him by? I hope and pray that you reconsider. 
MAGA. Yeah. And then he says, Now, of course, you know, Mr. Aaron, that this is not one of the thousands of hate letters you are receiving every day. <laughs> <laughs> let, let there be no doubt. I'm not one of them. <laughs> what? <a stupid sighs> so that's what Hank Aaron was dealing with as he approached the greatest record in all of sports. It's two Braves legends that have died in the last week. We had lost Hank Aaron and before that, Don Sutton, who I listened to call more Braves baseball games than almost certainly anyone else because Sutton has been on the Braves broadcast for as long as I've been listening and the other ones died sooner. So. <laughs> I'm not I'm not causing his death. I'm just going to open real quick, but there is no way Jimmy Carter is making it out of 21. Like all of these old people are dying – with the next few months. Larry King. Yeah, Larry King died. Yeah, they're all f- falling. Yeah, they're all going to die. This is a point that has been made better by plenty of other people, but that hasn't stopped me from having a podcast and a blog for like my whole adult life. So here we are. Larry King made a whole career out of being completely unprepared right. for any interview that he walked into. And it's... <laughs> remarkable and it's called, that he because he's like that literally the king of that particular format yeah. and he did it by never being ready to talk to and anyone one of the best examples is when he had jerry seinfeld on and he didn't know right. that he thought that the show got canceled <laughs> he's like no you <laughs> right and jerry's like do you know who i am larry canceled me canceled that's 75 ten- million people watched my last yeah. episode, Larry. <laughs> There's that funny show on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix, that Tig Notaro show where she doesn't know who the celebrity is because she lives under a rock. She just doesn't know. Oh, no. So the whole the ga- the show is she's interviewing someone and she has no idea who they They're are. They're sitting in the studio with her and she yeah. just doesn't know who the celebrity well, she's like, is. The show. That's a great show. So are you an actor? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, okay. Okay. TV? They're like, no. Okay, a movie actor. Or theater? Okay, okay, definitely a movie. It's really funny. She's great. Sounds like a good premise. It is. It's the exact sort of thing that we could do with people from Abe's life. Like, <laughs> it's called Under a Rock with Tig Notaro. We sit Abe down in a room and it's like, so do I know you? So what's your deal? You're not, you're not like a brother of mine, are you? <laughs> Opening and closing themes of the show are composed by Mark Gillig. I, uh, I'm also going to do more reading, I think was the point that I was trying to get okay. to when I'm bringing up the, nice. the Hank Aaron stuff. I've downloaded a couple of books to the old Kindle recently. I ordered a couple off Amazon, and it just feels like it's time to get back to the world uh, that matters more by way of things that don't matter, right? Which is sort of the the point of engaging with fiction is to find truths about the world that are... It's like a gradual withdrawal, like a detox from the news that you need. Yeah, Right. Highly recommend it. So far, the last couple of days, it's been like I've got phone in one hand with Twitter open and Kindle in the other hand. That's definitely healthier. It is, you can, it's slightly better. You can multi You can do that? I have to like... No, he can't. That's sure. the joke. He's not good at any of I it. I read like a hundred something pages of Aaron's biography just today and also kept up with uh, fucking awful Twitter. Good so great success. With great talent. 
Abe, you, uh, you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. Bob doesn't really like uh, women, especially That's young ones. Not true. <laughs> okay, what were you saying about Alanis Morissette? That's not fair. I don't it's, know it what was totally I saying fair. about Alanis you Morissette. You said I hate when like young women are smart or something. That's <laughs> not, oh, not what I said. That took Talk well, that. then why don't you like Alanis Morissette? <laughs> I forget what my take was, but I'm sure that it was not. <laughs> I don't like when young women are smart. Right. He's probably young brushed it up wisdom, better than that. maybe? Young female wisdom? Oh, yeah, there you go. What it was... Because <laughs> she's got that... <laughs> what was the we context of oh, this? Yeah, that's right. I didn't say that. <laughs> we can find the heart of the bad take. And just Let's not put your dumb interpretation of it out there. <laughs> Literally what you said. She's got one of those, one of those songs live, on Jagged learn. Little Pill. Is, you love, you learn. Yeah, you love, you learn. And it's... She was like fucking 23 or something when she wrote that song. The poet was 19, song. right? And the poet was 22. But 22. The point is, I don't need to be hearing wisdom from anyone who's under the age of 25. And it doesn't have anything to do with oh, uh, so a, the woman aspect or the female thing, aspect. But all the examples just happen to be women. Just the coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> am I supposed to and is it my job to burst that fucking bubble <laughs> for him like when when do I t when do I sit him down and say son I have some news it's, it's not rules. great the world sucks no because <laughs> for some people it doesn't suck right and you made it just it, fine. your brother just fine. is a great son, example of that son Dear son that I love, if you want me to love you in an ongoing sort of way, I'm going to need you to appreciate how much uh, you're being lied to. <laughs> when you had mentioned uh, Tipper Gore, like that's a quite a power couple, right? Because like Al Gore invents the internet, the lady with her little uh, don't do this, don't do that. Like, those two things is why we're in 21. Those two elements, it's the Gore's fault. <laughs>